Today's reading is taken from Psalm 93. The Lord reigns; He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you can keep your Bibles、uh, open, if you can turn to、uh, Psalm 93 as we go through it, I'm sure it'll help you. But let me pray for us that God will speak to us、um, through this passage. Lord, we thank you for the simple psalm、uh, that shows us your majesty and your glory and your power over all things. And Lord, we pray that you'll use these words to lift our eyes up to you and to your greatness, that we might be able to face the surging waves, whatever, whenever, and, and whenever they may may come. Speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. We were staying in an idyllic beach village. It took a matter of seconds for a wall of water about five feet. In height to start coming in, it was it was the kind of a surge which reached the first floor of our hotel. It flattened the walls and trees and buildings around us, and before rising higher and higher, I gained a newfound respect for the sea. I never realized its power. Wrote a survivor of the 2004 tsunami that killed over 230,000 people across Southeast Asia. Although not not a seafaring people, Israelites knew the power of the sea. They seem to know the power of the sea when they、uh, think about the powers that challenge even God, Yahweh, God's power. They imagine they use the metaphor of the sea. In verse three, you see it: the seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voices. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. And the sea was an appropriate metaphor for the Israelites to use, because or in the surrounding nations, the seas represented the powers of evil. For example, in the Babylonian myths,、uh, the creation myth, God Marduk,、uh, the, the Babylonian god, kills and conquers、uh, the goddess of the sea, Tiamat, to create the world. The sea represented evil, and, and same thing with Baal,、uh, the, the Canaanite god. Canaanite god also defeats Yam, the goddess of the sea, to create people. Once again, the,、uh, and, and we see that actually in Genesis one as well, as the, the the spirit of God hovers over the sea, but the sea has no control. God commands them. God assigns them their places, and then God creates. The world. The message is clear. God is mightier than the sea and all that it represents. And this psalmist repeats that, tells us the same thing. He told us in verse three that the seas, the the the, the waves are surging. They're lifting. They're being lifted up. But in verse four, he tells us mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. Yahweh on high is mighty. Seas have great powers. Evils in the world have great powers, 
but the Lord is mightier. Although they rise, they do not reach God. God, Yahweh, is, he, he's seated on high. He's in a different sphere. But for most of, us, most of us, physical waves is not a big worry day to day, maybe in T10 or something for some of us. But the metaphorical waves keep on rising, don't they? They keep on pounding the waves. And like the ocean, there are times when we can sit back and enjoy the good things that God has given us. You know, when there are times in your life where everything seems to be going well, the spiritual life is going well, your relationship with your spouse and your kids uh, financially or psychologically, I mean, you seem safe and you just, you're enjoying it. But there are times when the ocean, you know, the water gets sucked up at the back, to, to the back and it's surging, the waves gathering and the tsunami of waves come you know, with the different circumstances, bad things keeping, uh, get bad things um, coming together to form a giant, gigantic wave that threatened to swallow you up. And you might feel like that right now. You might feel like you're drowning. You might feel like that because of political problems or sickness or some failure or being made redundant to depression. These are all among us in our church. The seas have lifted up, Lord. But it doesn't have to be a big tsunami that drowns us. It could actually be the pounding of the waves. That's just relentless. That does not stop. Uh, uh, it could be the daily stress of just paying the bills, trying to get our kids through school, uh, the, the, the stress of work. It's just something that's constant, constantly there that wears us out time to time, uh, every day that seem to uh, drown us, that, that want to drown us. Maybe it's struggle with loneliness or isolation. Some of you have been dealing with that during COVID times. The seas have lifted up their voices. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. So it's not an accident. When that God of the universe becomes incarnate in Jesus Christ, what kind of miracles do, does he do? Well, he walks on water. Implicit message is the seas have no power. They cannot drown God. Remember the story, once again, of the raging sea when the disciples thought that they were drowning, they cry out to Jesus. And Jesus stands up and he says, be still. And the waters become calm. God has absolute uh, power over the sea. Even more remarkable is the promise at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21, when the heavens come down to earth, uh, this is what John wrote, Then I saw the new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and uh, first earth had passed away, and there's no longer any sea. The seas and their pounding waves, the forces of rebellion and evil, that is just constant presence in the world, well, in the future. When the new creation comes, when Jesus comes to rule, he will get rid of it completely. There will be no sea anymore. There will be an end to evil. But friends, I do want to start out this sermon by reminding our, ourselves that that comes at the very end. Until that day comes, the waves will pound. They will continue to come. And sometimes they will come in form of a tsunami. Uh, that's something that will drown, that, that threaten to drown us. God has set the boundaries to the sea, but they are there constantly threatening us. But remember, 
Remember, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. We are to lift our eyes up and to see God and be confident that God is mightier than all these things. And not only is he mightier, he's also sovereign. He's, he also reigns. He rules even through those uh, storms and waves. This is how the psalmist started the sermon, I mean, uh, this, the, the psalm, <laughs> verse 1. The Lord reigns. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Uh, it would be just as correct to say the Lord is, uh, is robed in compassion and mercy. Well, why does he say that he's robed in majesty and strength? Well, it's because he's going to do something with that majesty and strength. Uh, even Queen Elizabeth, when she's walking around at home, she sort of dresses I mean, better than us, but you know, she dresses kind of like us. But when she wears her crown, when she wears all her royal regalia, she's about to do something. She's, exer- she's about to exercise her power. When you see uh, uh, the firefighters you know, in their all uniform, they're not going for a tea. Right? Or when you see Arthur or Daisy in their white gown, they're going to the hospital. They're not going to a dinner party. When the psalmist pictures God robed in majesty and strength, what the psalmist is saying is he, she, he, uh, he sees God uh, about to use, the, uh, or, or he, he's using that power. He's using that strength and majesty to rule over the world. He's reigning over all of creation with his majesty, with his strength. And look at the scope of his rule. He's no provincial God. He is God of Israel, but he's not just a God of Israel that rules over that little part of the world. He's established the world firm and secure. He, he reigns over all creation. And look at the, uh, also um, his throne. His throne is secure. Most annals of history read like good fiction novels, right? With the intrigues and alliances forming and backstabbing and all these things uh, happening. But God's throne is unlike any other throne. It was established long ago in eternity past, verse 2. And verse 5, it will go on for endless days. God isn't looking over his shoulders to see who will take his throne. He doesn't, he's not, he doesn't purge rivals because there, there is no rival. He is without rivals. He, his throne is secure. Friends, when the waves come, do you believe that God is reigning over those waves, over those oceans? Often, even when we find uh, spiritual comfort in God, we believe that God sort of is in our corner fighting against the waves. And the waves are out of control. There's something that is, that is evil, and, and God is just fighting, uh, fighting it with you. We find it hard to imagine a God who actually, even uh, with the evilness of those waves, are somehow in control over the waves, that in his sovereign and inscrutable will, sometimes he brings them along to our lives because he is in control. He wants something. He wants us to grow uh, in Christ-likeness or whatever. That God is reigning over all those situations. That's the picture that the psalmist is giving us. He reigns with power, strength, and majesty. 
Even the evils in this world are under his control. And I know that's not easy to believe. Let me tell you, it wasn't easy for the psalmist or the compiler of the psalm to believe either. People back then, there's no way of knowing exactly when this psalm was written, Psalm 93, but if you have your Bibles open, just glance over to Psalm 90. Because Psalm 90 begins the book four of uh, the book of Psalms. I see somebody had arranged 150 psalms in book form, in five books. And actually, they tell a story. They've arranged this so that the book of psalms is not just a collection of psalms, but actually overall, as a book, it tells a story. Simply, very simply put, uh, first two books are about the reign of God's king, how God has enthroned his king to rule over the world. Uh, Book three is about actually how that reign is not going well. Book 3 is, uh, contains a psalm that questions God's rule. This is the uh, book where, uh, that, that contains all those lamentations and depressing psalms because part of the, it reminds us that the Davidic throne has ended. The God's king who has been put to rule over the world as God's representative, well, that's gone. And so people are lamenting and they're questioning, how can this happen? Why is this happening? And then book 4 is the answer to that. And book four uh, starts out, Psalm 90 starts out with uh, uh, say, saying, uh, starts out by, by saying, trust in God as Moses trusted in God. And at the heart of that book, Psalm 93, 96 to 99, is, is the psalm that just tells us that Yahweh is king. Even though the throne of David is no longer present, Yahweh God still rules over Israel, over Babylon, over Assyria, over all the world. God still reigns. And book five then imagines a great salvation, a greater exodus, and it ends with praise of God. Book five is filled with praise. But you see where Psalm 93 stands. This is a place where the Israelites didn't have a king anymore. The Davidic king dynasty has ended. But and yet, in Psalm 93, the statement of faith is Yahweh reigns. God is ruling over all of history. God is in control over history. And we're going to be okay because God is mightier than the sea. And he reigns over all of the world. Church, I don't mean to minimize any of the struggles that you go through, any evil that you face. Actually, they feel, they feel overwhelming to us as we go through them. But the psalm tells us it doesn't have to overwhelm us. We can look to God who is mightier, God who is reigning over all things. Remember the amazing promise in Romans 8, 28 to 29? In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Have been called according to his purpose. For those God who foreknew, he also predestined to conform to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Yes, evil is evil. It's not saying evil is, God is not saying evil is good somehow because he uses it. But God is able to even use the evil things to accomplish his own purpose and to bring good. Well, that good isn't a Ferrari or uh, maybe um, getting a partner or healing or promotion. In the context of Romans 8, it's the goodness of being Christ-like, conforming to the image of his Son, 
God is working through all of those things to make us more like Christ. And no matter how you feel, being more like Christ is more glorious from, in God's eyes than anything that you could imagine. That's what God longs us to be, to, 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 to be like Christ, to be patient and kind and joyful, peaceful, faithful, gentle, self-control, humble. All these things, God's shaping us through all, the, the, all our circumstances. Uh, he, he's using them to make us more like Christ, to make us more glorious. So when the waves crash, friends, look to Jesus. Look to God and trust in his mighty power and trust that actually he's working through these things to make us more like Christ, that he is in control. And in order to do that, you'll have to run to God's word. Take a look at verse 5. Amidst the seas, we're reminded that not only God reigns, he's also his statues, his statutes stand firm. His word, the revealed will of God, stand firm. You see, it's not the, just not physical world that God has created and ordered. He's also created and ordered the moral fibers of the universe in accordance, his own character, to, in accordance uh, uh, to his own character. That's what the psalmist says uh, when he says in verse 5 that his holiness adorns his house. He is holy. Where he lives is holy, and he's commanded, he's created the world to be holy, and he's commanded the world, uh, he, he reigns through those words. He's commanded the world to be holy like him, and his statutes will never change. Of course, the waves crash against the revealed will of God, too. The biblical view of sexuality whether it's LGBTQ issues or sex outside of marriage or divorce or abortion, often they're under attack. In the name of justice, other parts of God's word is under attack too. Forgiveness, compassion, grace are under attack too. And it all makes sense. At every age, some part of God's word will be under attack because if God's word is firm and eternal, and our world keeps on changing. Some aspect of the world will disagree with God's word any given time. And in those times, friends, where do you go? Do you go, uh, uh, to, uh, do you go along uh, with the new waves of morality and outrage or trends? Or do we find refuge in God's secure, firm word? And it's not just the world's attack. Right? They attack us as we try to follow God's word and live by it too, right? Cheat in your test, in your marriage, give in to your uh, lust. Who will know? The world in many ways encourages people to be indignant, to be, out, uh, to, 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 um, to be angry, uh, to be proud and selfish, to be less generous and stingy. Tell us, it tells us constantly uh, to worry about our future, to look out for number one, to care more about our status and popularity than what God thinks of us. These are waves that crash against God's word. Friends, in that maelstrom of, of moral chaos, what will you turn to? Where will you find security? Will you go to God's word? Will you live by them and not by the wisdom of this world? And his words are firm, and they will bear fruit. And there's so many promises in the scripture, right? If we hold on to them, 
He will bless us. Eventually, they will bless us. And we saw on already how God is working out the good uh, through all of it. Uh, there's a promise that the evildoers will get their comeuppance, that God is with us even as we go through the valley of shadow of death. Uh, he'll wipe all of the tears from our eyes. These are all the promises written in the scripture. Will you hold on to them? Will you live by them? Will you go to them when times are tough? And in Shatian Anglican, we're committed to preaching God's word. I hope you see that from this pulpit, that as we, we don't want to just dispense human and worldly wisdom. We want to go to God's word and preach from it. And I hope you see that in your small groups, in every level of our teaching here. But 25 minutes on Sunday just is not enough. You need to belong to a small group and read the Bible together. You need to have a quiet time when you actually spend uh, time with God's word. In order to stand firm in God's word, we need to develop habits that remind us who God is. But as we close, let me just remind ourselves, remind us that um, when Psalm 93, it says the Lord, that the Lord is mightier. He's not just talk, talking about some God out there. He's talking about when L-O-R-D, that four letters are in uh, capital letters, it's the God name of uh, our covenant God, Yahweh. It's this God who is mightier than all the seas. Our God is robed in majesty, armed with strength. And you might be under a tsunami right now and you can't see the majesty of God, and you can't understand how God is in control over anything. And if you haven't experienced that yet, that time will come because that's life. (laughs) Church, there was a time when this Yahweh God, instead of clothed in majesty and strength, was stripped naked. And Apostle Peter couldn't understand what was going on. Nobody in Jesus' inner circle knew what was going on. They didn't understand what was happening. They tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross. But with that great power that created the whole universe, Jesus went to the cross because he was working for our good so that we, he was swallowed up by the sea of death so that we would never have to be overwhelmed by it. He died our death so that we could live. At times, we, we won't understand. Such is the wisdom of God. But friends, God is mightier than the sea, and he reigns over all the world. Will you run to his word? And will you stand and find security in the firmness of his word? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this simple psalm that reminds us that you are the king, the majestic king, armed with strength, reigning over all the world, even as the seas pound, even as they raise, uh, even as they, uh, 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 they, are, um, they, they stand in rebellion against you. Lord, you stand high above. You are mightier. Lord, help us to be your people who trust in your sovereignty, in your goodness, in your rule over the world, and help us not to run away from your word. But in those times, help us take refuge in the promises of your word. 
Help us to live by them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond uh, by singing of God.